Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast. We talk about Southeastern Conference hoops with the season not too far away. Finally getting a look at some schedules. We'll preview a couple teams in just a little bit as well. With Blake Lovell of Blue Ribbon, I'm Kevin Inger. Blake, what's going on, man? Yeah, Kevin, good to talk to you again. It's hard to believe we're only two weeks away here now. It feels like, uh, as we've said many times, it's been the longest off season ever, but uh, yeah, <laughs> only two weeks, two weeks away now. So it has indeed been the uh, longest off season ever. You and I were talking before we uh, went on that you got a lot going on in your life right now, right? <laughs> yes. Well, all over the place, of course. Uh, at the timing, of course, is always great, isn't it? Because you're right uh, near uh, college basketball season. Of course, we've been doing all this stuff with Blue Ribbon, trying to get everything ready to go, and uh, we've got the book out now, and uh, we're, we're pumping up our stuff with our Blue Ribbon report, and yeah, just uh, lots of lots of stuff uh, happening right now for sure. We are getting the schedules. Uh, the SEC came out with its 18-game slate. It starts December 29th and 30th. Two open dates are built in. Those could help if games need to be rescheduled. To give you the quick rundown of the, of the openers, South Carolina, Kentucky, Texas A&M at LSU, Ole Miss at Alabama. Those games are on the 29th. Then Tennessee at Missouri, Florida at Vanderbilt, Mississippi State at Georgia, Arkansas at Auburn. Those games will be on the 30th. So it's nice to finally see it uh, in writing. We had seen, yeah, okay, it's going to start somewhere around the, the end of December, but we finally have uh, teams and dates and matchups and all that stuff. And uh, it feels like it's actually, you know, and, and we know that the, uh, the non-conference portion of the schedule is going to get started here uh, later on in November. Yeah, I'm sure coaches are excited because, you know, as we've talked and, and you guys have talked to coaches, I, I know that's that's been a nightmare just trying to figure out their schedules. And, you know, the non-conference portion, that's been one thing. But you know, now they finally know exactly what their conference schedule is going to look like. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be a relief on them, I'm sure, because it's, it is. It's crazy to think that we're sitting here two weeks away and, and now actually know the schedules. Like it took that long to, for everyone to kind of figure out how they're going to make this work. And, and I think still at this point, a lot of this is probably very, you know, flexible in terms yeah. of what they're going to be able to do. You know, the SEC, like like many conferences, they have that that late window uh, to where, you know, if they have to make up games, they'll be able to do it. But, uh, yeah, it is. It's nice to at least be able to see who's going to play who, and at least we can start focusing on the actual games, uh, even if some of them wind up uh, getting switched around a little bit. Yeah, no, do, do you kind of look at it all and just keep your fingers crossed and say, hey, <laughs> I hope most of this can get done. I mean, who, who knows the way things change very quickly regarding yeah. the virus, you know? Yeah, that, that's the way it is, and I think everyone understands that. Even with these, you know, I was very fascinated just to see how teams built their non-conference schedules because, as we've seen, you know, like the SEC is a little bit different with their actual conference schedules because, you know, some of the conferences, as you've seen, you know, are trying to play back-to-back days and they're they're trying to do it that way. And I was curious to see how much, you know, maybe space in between non-conference games some of these teams would have. Uh, with some of their schedules, but it does seem like they're, they've at least tried to group as many as close together as they can. Uh, that's probably the smart move, uh, given uh, everything going on right now. Like I, I thought we would look at the non-conference schedules for the teams that are picked in the top five in the uh, Blue Ribbon preseason rankings in the SEC, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, and Florida, and just kind of compare and, and look at uh, what each of those teams is going to be facing in the non-conference. For Tennessee, uh, pick first in Blue Ribbon, uh, starting off with, with a multi-team event in Knoxville against Charlotte and VCU. They play Cincinnati, Appalachian State, Tennessee Tech, and USC Upstate. And then there also have been reports uh, of Gonzaga in Indianapolis on December 2nd and then uh, going on and playing at Notre Dame on December 4th. Uh, Kansas will be uh, Tennessee's opponent for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So, uh, you know, if you add Gonzaga and Notre Dame into that mix, that's a pretty challenging uh, non-conference group for Tennessee. 
Yeah, it is. I thought they did a pretty good job managing, you know, to, to make this work and, and to add some of these games they've added. Because really, I mean, we think about VCU and Cincinnati and, of course, uh, Gonzaga, Notre Dame, and they've got Kansas in that SEC, you know, Big 12 challenge. Like, I think there's lots of opportunity for Tennessee in there because, you know, I mean, I, I think this is a year, too, where we'll talk about this many times throughout the season. You know, what ifs? We, a lot of what ifs. And I think with the NCAA tournament selection process, you want to try to build as strong of a schedule as you can. And that's the way every year. But I think especially this year, you know, what happens if you're not able to play a certain amount of conference games? Right. What happens uh, if some of these non-conference games get canceled? You want to have some built in there uh, that you feel like are going to be able to help your resume. And certainly, you know, if they played this game against the Zags, um, you know, the Notre Dame game, again, Cincinnati, VCU go down the line there. Uh, at least Tennessee, I think, has some opportunities in the non-conference to where uh, if they're able to play all these games, uh, I think that that'll give them a good opportunity to, to kind of build that resume. For Kentucky, pick second in Blue Ribbon's uh, preseason SEC forecast. And, uh, of course, uh, people's opinions of the Wildcats went up when they uh, got – Word that uh, a couple transfers, Olivier Saar and, and also uh, Jacob Toppin, are going to be eligible this year. They will play uh, an MTE in, in Lexington against Moorhead State, Detroit Mercy, and Richmond. Uh, they're going to play Kansas, Georgia Tech. That game will be in Atlanta. Uh, Notre Dame, UCLA, a matchup up in Cleveland. At least that's how it's scheduled at Louisville. And then we'll play uh, Texas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So I, I think if you look at these top five uh, contending teams, Kentucky probably has the uh, the most difficult non-conference schedule. And, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll play a mix of teams that they, they should be handily and then, you know, pretty big-name teams, uh, some of them on neutral neutral floors. Yeah, I mean, the big name teams, you know, we, we know about the Kansas, the UCLA, the Louisville and, and Texas and Notre Dame, like you said, Georgia Tech in there. But, you know, even a team like Richmond, which we've talked about before, I mean, they're they're going to be very good. I know they had the injury uh, to, to one of their guys here, you know, heading into the season, not ideal, but they still have a very experienced roster. Um, this is going to be a team that a lot of people still think, you know, could be a potential top 25 type team, even with that injury. And then a team like Detroit Mercy. I mean, I, I have, you know, I did the Horizon League and. I picked them second to last uh, in the Horizon League, but yet I looked around and said, man, I could probably have picked them four spots, five spots higher, right. uh, just given the fact that, you know, Mike Davis thinks that he's finally got a team there that he thinks is going to be, you know, probably his best team he's had. And so it's just, uh, it was one of those leagues where it's just like, man, I, I want to pick them higher. It's like, where do I put them? Uh, but Antoine Davis, I mean, one of the top scorers in the country the past couple of years, he averaged like 26 a game, uh, something like that. Of course, Brad Calipari's there. So that'll make that, that showdown pretty intriguing, uh, as usual with John Calipari against his son. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty loaded schedule there for the Cats. For Alabama pick third, uh, they'll open up against Jacksonville State. And then the uh, Maui Invitational, quote-unquote, in Asheville this year. Uh, they'll play Stanford, then possibly uh, North Carolina or UNLV uh, in the uh, field of teams there. They're going to play Clemson in that event in Atlanta. Furman, Houston, East Tennessee State, and then at Oklahoma in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So uh, a little nice, pretty nice mixture there for the Crimson Tide against some, you know, some, some teams that are good that aren't necessarily power conference teams. I mean, Furman and East Tennessee State have both been good, and they've added Houston to their schedule. So that's, uh, that's going to be pretty challenging for the Crimson tied yeah it seems like for a long time now alabama's played a pretty tough non-conference schedule we've seen that even since avery johnson was there and then of course donate oats now i think they they've actually been one of the teams in the sec that's done a really good job with their schedule probably over the past five six seven years um that they've just always found a way to, to build in these games like that because even if it's not you know if you're not playing the, the very very top five you know if you're not playing three or four top five teams or something but you're playing the best of 
uh, like you said, some of these other teams like Furman and Houston and different conferences, you're playing some of the best teams, maybe the top one, two, three teams in some of these other conferences. And that always helps you too. So yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, you know, the, the Maui thing aside, I'm sure uh, Alabama was looking forward to a, a nice trip to Maui. That's <laughs> yeah. always, uh, you know, for a college basketball player, that's, that's always on the list there, but, uh, Anyway, you slice it, that's still going to be a pretty loaded tournament, you know, with the teams that are in there. And so, um, the, yeah, Alabama, once again, they should probably wind up having one of the top uh, non-conference schedules of any team in the SEC. Yeah, my goal has been to uh, go to the Maui Invitational for my 50th birthday next year. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> no one know how much progress I'm making toward that goal, but uh, I got a year to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> moving on to number four, LSU, they will really, their, uh, best competition in the non-conference will be in the Golden Window Classic out in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think they're going to play it at a couple different sites there in Lincoln. Uh, the field includes Nebraska, LSU, St. Louis, Northern Iowa, Western Kentucky, San Francisco, Nevada, and, uh, Illinois State. So, uh, nice little field for that event. Uh, they'll play Louisiana Tech. They'll play against South Florida and Atlanta. Uh, they'll play New Orleans, they'll play North Texas, VCU, and Texas Tech in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. VCU is uh, making the rounds here among these uh, SEC contenders. <laughs> yep, they are. Uh, Mike Rhodes got his team uh, trying to, like you said, load up that that schedule, and that's what you got to do if you're a team like VCU uh, in that conference. I mean, that's, that's the thing. You know, we think about teams like that where, you know, your your opportunities it's always tough to schedule but i think this year if you're able to build you know your schedule knowing that again if some of these games get canceled you really need some of these these non-conference games against the, the likes of sec teams to be able to, to build your resume but a very a very regional schedule it seems for lsu when you look at all these teams they're playing of course you've got louisiana tech north texas you got texas tech which that's part of the sec big 12 challenge you've got new orleans in there um so yeah pretty nice uh nice schedule here too and even that golden window classic i mean you look around at all those teams in there. I don't. I don't know that necessarily you've got a, you know, a great team in there. I mean, St. Louis is really good. I think they're probably, you know, you could argue they could be the second best team, maybe behind LSU and that, or even ahead of LSU. Uh, but there's there's some solid teams in there that you could probably find a way to, to get some pretty good competition out of. Yeah, and Western Kentucky is going to be a, a team that's right. you know picked toward the top or at the top of Conference USA this year. Uh, number five in the uh, SEC preseason uh, poll in the. Blue Ribbon Yearbook is Florida, and they will open up up in Connecticut in the Bubbleville event. Uh, they're going to play Maine and Virginia up there. They'll play at Oklahoma versus Stetson at Florida State uh, versus UNF and Florida Atlantic. James Madison, then they'll play West Virginia in the uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. So that's the uh, the non-conference slate for the Gators. Yeah, that looks good, too. And and I think, you know, Mike White's another one of those that's done a good job since he's been there balancing his non-conference schedule with, with some of these games. And, and he's been one, too, that we've seen, you know, tried to play the, those teams that in state he tries to, you know, give opportunities to, to those other teams. And I think I've always enjoyed that about him, like North Florida and, you know, FAU there now with uh, with Dusty May, who used to be an assistant there for him at Florida. And so, uh, yeah, there, there's lots of uh, intriguing games on there. And then, of course, uh, the game at Oklahoma, we always think about sure. uh, Lon Kruger uh, back to his days there. So lots of lots of neat tie-ins there uh, for the Gators here on the schedule. Yeah, maybe they'll uh, bring out some members of the uh, Florida's. Well, I guess it being <laughs> at Oklahoma, they won't. But uh, that, too, was a 94 uh, Florida team that Lon Kruger yeah. took to the Final Four with the Dimitri Hill and that group. Uh, that was a good team back in the day. Yeah, he had some good ones. Uh, 
as you know, I just thought we'd kind of just compare those a little bit, uh, run through those top five teams in the uh, the not uh, the uh, preseason rankings for Blue Ribbon. Look at the non-conference schedule. So uh, pretty challenging in different ways for those five teams: Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, and Florida. Uh, we talked a lot this offseason about transfers and how they'll affect these SEC teams. Vanderbilt, I thought, got some good news this week. Isaac McBride, who is a six-one uh, guard who transferred from Kansas, will be eligible eligible to play. He had enrolled at Kansas last year. He left school last September, transferred to Vanderbilt this summer. Coming out of high school from Arkansas, he was considered a top 25 combo guard, was the Gatorade player of the year in Arkansas in 2019. So uh, that should help the depth for Jerry Stackhouse's team at guard. Uh, one of three transfers, seven newcomers on that Vanderbilt roster. Their other transfers include DJ Harvey, who transferred from Notre Dame and sat out, and also uh, Quentin Melora Brown, who uh, transferred in from Rice. So uh, some good news for Vanderbilt this week is uh, they. I know Jerry Stackhouse and, and folks who follow that program just hope they can uh, make it through without a, a catastrophic injury like they've had the last couple seasons. Yeah, they just run into some some bad luck, and I know that you know a lot of people can look at where the program's at and where it used to be and all that, but there's no doubt in the fact that they've just they have they just had some bad luck the past several years, and um, we could be talking about a completely different scenario, but we're not, and they kind of are where they are at this point, and so I think getting McBride, you know, to me depth 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 is everything, and I think especially in the SEC where. You know, this is a team that most people are going to pick to finish at the bottom. Um, and, you know, not not many people are really sure exactly how far they're going to be able to take that next step, if they're going to be able to climb yeah. uh, the rankings this year or when that's going to happen. And so I think as long as you have more options, you know, that that's a good thing. And so maybe someone like him, can, he can step in there and, and be able to make an impact. Uh, you mentioned, you know, DJ Harvey. I think there are high expectations for him. Um, and this is just this is one again where I think if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you just want to see some type of positive step forward, because right now, uh, you know, the past several years have been what they've been. And, and I think people just want to see them make some type of strides here this year. Uh, I don't know exactly how how that's going to happen, because I just think the SEC is so loaded. And that's what we talked about so many times. Uh, I just think maybe they do some positive things this year, but I, it's just going to be really hard. Uh, to be able to to maybe even make that jump out of that bottom four this year, just because I think the SEC is is pretty stacked elsewhere. Yeah, you can be you can be improved and have a nice squad, yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. you know trying to compete with everybody else in, in this league is difficult. And you know you can kind of say the same thing for the uh, the two teams we'll preview here. And talking about Georgia and South Carolina, we've looked at pretty much everybody. I try to pick out two teams each time we do one of these uh, SEC podcasts and just kind of take a look in what might be ahead and. As for Georgia, I picked to finish 12th in the Blue Ribbon forecast. Uh, went 500 last year at 16 and 16, but they were 5 and 13 in the SEC in their second year with Tom Crean. Have a couple starters back, have eight newcomers. Crean's done a pretty good job recruiting, but, you know, can they turn that into wins with a team that's really not very big, but it's really constructed maybe more the way Crean wants it to be, where he wants to get out and run, and they're just going to simply have to shoot better from the outside to, to have a chance to, uh, to make a climb in their own right. Yeah, they just weren't a, a great shooting team. And I think that was one of the things, you know, and, and also you, you look at it and say, well, they've got, you know, possibly the number one pick in the draft or certainly a top three pick probably with Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, you take him out of the mix. I mean, how, how much better are you going to be on offense without someone like that? And so I think it's a different dynamic because you don't have him there and, and he's not someone that's probably going to, you know, get the the high percentage like he did last year, that high usage rate of someone who they just, they knew every time on offense, they wanted to get him the ball and see what happened. Uh, this year, you know, you've got different options and it's going to be a little bit more spread out. And 
I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing because I think it just probably depends on how all this chemistry comes together. Like you said, I mean, they've got eight new guys on the roster um, and how you blend all that together. And, and I'm fascinated with that question for a lot of these teams, even with Kentucky or yeah. some of these others that, that bring in so many new players in an off season like this. You haven't had the same amount of time as you normally would to put everything together. Um, you, you know, you just now found out your schedule. You're just you're putting everything together on the fly. And so I, I'm curious about a team like Georgia because, you know, I think that's about right for me. I mean, to be honest with you, I think I probably even could have considered them at being the 13th team in the SEC just because I think they have more questions than maybe a lot of the other teams in the league right now. And so um, I think you kind of look at them, you know, Tom Crean, and it's just a matter of putting it together. Can they make everything work? And they've got to be better, like you said, on offense. And I think maybe if they are able to get out and run a little bit more, uh, that's great, but they've got to be able to make shots. And that's something I wonder about with this team, uh, just because I don't really know exactly what they're going to look like on yeah. offense uh, without Anthony Edwards. Real quick on their personnel, uh, returning players include their 5'10 point guard, Severe Wheeler, who went into the starting lineup in January and played well. He broke Georgia's uh, freshman assist record. Good assist-to-turnover ratio, shown he can be a capable scorer. They also have uh, Ty Fagan and Tumani Kamara back from last year. They're excited about P.J. Horn, a transfer from Virginia Tech, who started uh, 30 games last year and has really improved his three-point shooting, and he's uh, among the transfers they have coming in. For South Carolina, picked ninth in the uh, Blue Ribbon forecast, 18 and 13 last season, 10 and 8 in the SEC. They tied for sixth. It's been an interesting offseason, uh, Blake, for Frank Martin. Had knee surgery. He got COVID. Uh, his longtime assistant coach, Perry Clark, retired. Uh, he did get news that A.J. Lawson was coming back. He pulled out of the NBA draft. So he will have four starters back. And, and Frank thinks this is, uh, could be one of his deeper teams, along with that team that went to the Final Four three years ago. Yep, another year, another situation of South Carolina being picked lower than eighth in the SEC. And uh, I'm not sure why we keep doing this because we do it every year. And uh, I just, I have to just sit back and think, man, I'm going to do this again. Because I was one of the, I said, if I would have put together my one through 14, I probably would have picked South Carolina ninth, exactly where we picked them in Blue Ribbon. Because it's like, as much as you want to sit there and say, my goodness, we have put this team every single year, it seems like we put them very low. And they find a way to make it work. And I think this is probably another situation where that happens. Because like you, you mentioned, you look at everything they have coming back. I mean, getting A.J. Lawson back, I think for the most part, we expected him to come back, you know, not to stay in the draft. But still, now that we know that he's there, I mean, he's just he's gotten better. He's just one of those guys who is going to play at the NBA level. Um, and then everybody else that, that he has around him. I mean, they know Kuznard, I think he was one of the more underrated guys. I think Keyshawn yep. Bryant. Uh, as someone who came on is probably one of the most improved players in the SEC, certainly one of the most athletic players in the SEC. He had some dunks last year that were just insane. I think that athleticism, that link, this team has a lot of that, even losing, you know, Mike Kotsar, who was the biggest guy and had kind of been the guy that, that had manned their front court. That's probably going to be the biggest question, but I really like this team and I think it's one where at this point, let's just pick them low every year. Maybe, maybe Frank, that's exactly <laughs> what he wants because, uh, it seems to work for them because the, they usually say, well, we're going to be picked ninth, tenth, eleventh, somewhere in there. And we're probably going to wind up finishing in that top four. They always seem like they're a puzzling team to me because Kentucky can come to town and they can score a huge win and, they, and they, but then they, they lose a head scratcher somewhere else that you, yeah. you, you didn't expect. I, I really like, uh, Jermaine Cousinard too. Uh, he averaged 12 points per game last year, but he's a pretty versatile guy. He was he was second in scoring and also second in assist on the uh, the South Carolina team. Uh, Justin Manai averaged seven and six. They have good depth at their guard spots. They also added a North Carolina transfer in seventh Woods. But you know, we, I, I guess 
you picked in the middle of the pack in the SEC, but can they put together enough of a season to, to give, them, give themselves a, a chance to get in the tournament this year? Well, I think it's about their non-conference schedule because we've seen that. You mentioned it. We've seen that seemingly the past several years now where, you know, they go out, they beat Kentucky, um, they beat somebody like that uh, in conference play, and then you look back at their non-conference schedule and say, all right, well, they lost to Stony Brook or Boston. And, <laughs> right. Um, you know, they lost, I think it was, what was it, probably, I don't know if it was three, three or four years ago maybe, uh, they lost that that exhibition game, I think, to that Division Two team, and they lost another one, just another one of those head-scratching games. It seems like they lose so many of those. Uh, hopefully that's not the case because that has really been – what's held them back from making the tournament more consistently since he's been there is they've, they've put together a good record in, in conference play and they did it again this past year. But yet, you know, you look back at their non-conference schedule and they just don't have, they, they may have some quality wins, but their bad losses sort of equal everything out. So um, I, I don't know, maybe this is another one, you know, where if you play less conference, less non-conference games, maybe there's less of a chance of that happening, but at the same time, they're going to have to make the most of it because uh, they just seem to be one of those teams that, that sort of, you know, held themselves back just sure. because of their non-conference schedule in recent years. All right, Blake, to finish up this podcast, I, I thought I would ask you to give me a sleeper team in, in the SEC. Now, I, I have a little bit of trouble with recency bias sometimes. We, we talked to Ben Hallen last week, Chris and I did for, for our podcast, and I think my sleeper team might be Mississippi State. I, I think uh, – in in terms of reading the uh, Blue Ribbon preview and talking to Coach Howard, uh, they talked me into thinking that they might finish uh, a little higher than 10th than as they were forecast in Blue Ribbon. But, they, man, one thing they have is a lot of size inside. they got some big dudes. They're going to be a different kind of matchup for a lot of teams in a physical league, and uh, Coach Howard seemed like he's pretty excited about his guards too. So I, I think my sleeper team might be Mississippi State. Who do you got? Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this team. I know it's uh, this is a fan base that's been frustrated because of everything probably the past three years that they've been another one that's ran into some bad luck when you talk about injuries. But I, I just don't think I can overlook Missouri and everything they have coming back. And I know we picked them 13th in Blue Ribbon. Um, you know, I, I wrote the preview for that. I talked to, to Conzo Martin and. He's like, man, I just don't think I've, I've had a team like this where they can legitimately probably play 10 guys and, and all 10 of those guys have been contributors, you know, at the SEC level or the division one level. Cause they've got, you know, a transfer coming in and drew bugs from Hawaii. Yeah. Um, he'll join the mix right away. I think Drew Smith continues to be probably one of the more underrated players, not just in the SEC, but in the country in terms of the value that he brings to this Missouri team. They got four starters back. Um, they, they've just got, they, they've got a lot of those things that you need. Now, the problem, I think, and the reason why we picked them 13th is they just have not been able to find that consistency, um, on offense yet. And I wonder if everything comes together this year, they have more experience. I mean, they're easily the most experienced team in the SEC with everything that they have coming back. They've got so many seniors on that roster. Uh, they've got so many upperclassmen that are going to play significant minutes. Uh, their backcourt, I think you could argue, while it may not be the best in the SEC, it's probably one of those that, that isn't going to get enough credit. But they're just so deep, and I just I wonder if they can shoot the ball better, sure. if they can play better on offense. I, I really think that in a season like this, like we've mentioned, it's sort of been the theme where you don't, where you have some teams that don't have a lot of experience, and they're bringing in a lot of new guys. Missouri is pretty much bringing everyone back. And they're adding, you know, like I said, someone like Drew Bugs, who has played a lot, uh, a great passer. Um, and I just, I don't know. Like I look at them and I say, I can understand why people could pick them as low as they're being picked. 
But at the same time, in a season like this where I fully expect some weird things to happen, uh, just because, you know, the offseason has <laughs> been so crazy, this team with experience, I feel like you could look at them and say, I could see Missouri being that sleeper team maybe that finds a way to finish in that top half. I think there are definitely going to be some weird things happen this season. We, we can pretty much <laughs> count on that for sure. Uh, we shouldn't wrap things up without uh, pumping the product. Uh, of course, the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook is shipping and uh, will be on your doorstep if you ordered one, or or be sure to, uh, to get the the uh, tablet version, which makes it super easy to carry around. You can uh, get all that done very easily. Just go to the website and, and place your order. And, uh, Blake, we should always mention that uh, if you go to blueribbon.substack.com every single week, delivered right to your inbox you can get all sorts of great uh, material on college basketball terrific stuff to read we have our podcast every week whether it's an sec or a national podcast so it's a lot of fun and a lot of cool stuff to, to get you ready for college basketball season yeah kevin we got a lot of stuff in the backlog i think that's something too where if you're you're excited you're finally got the juices flowing for the start of the season uh you can go back and read everything that we've already put together there on, on blueribbon.substack.com all these featured stories we've done and we've done a ton to this point uh, i think we've had what 14 editions for 15 editions uh-huh. thus far in terms of just the weekly newsletters um so there's a lot of long featured you know long form type stories you can go back and read to get you ready for the start of the season and then of course now with the season almost here, uh, we'll have plenty to talk about because uh, that, that'll let us get into, you know, covering stuff throughout the season, and that'll be a lot uh, a lot more exciting just to kind of keep up with everything that's going on. So, yeah, uh, subscribe there. You can, of course, uh, you can be a free subscriber if you want and get all these podcasts for free. But uh, if you want the, the long-form stuff and everything, just a, a very low price just to go to, to blueribbon.substack.com and sign up there and get everything sent right to your email inbox. You'll enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to having some uh, actual games to talk about. Blake, always a lot of fun. You make it easy, man. Thanks, Kevin. Always enjoy it. All right. This is the Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast. For Blake Lovell, I'm Kevin Ingram. We will talk to you next time.